welcome to Tripping Over the Barrel, a series that highlights the unique personalities within the oil and gas industry and the stories they have to share with your hosts and lead storytellers, Tilo and Dr. Funkenstein. Another week, another location for me that is not my home office. I was going to say, what basement are you in today? It's not a basement because I'm in Houston, so I don't think you, you guys don't do basements here it's like a swamp in the basement yeah we call those we call basements ponds <laughs> that's a pond so you know colorado new england basements people love basements certainly not here so i am at chuck yates townhome right now in town for nape and at the the top floor so major um podcast location flex here at uh, chuck yates townhome in houston well that's a, it's a little disappointing to see a wine rack in chuck yates house behind you with no wine in it they all must be in Richmond, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited, even though it's it's super overcast and I can hear thunder coming from from your side and and Matt's and, and over here. It is Nape. I think people are excited to be back in person. We'll see what the turnout looks like. OTC has been going on this week already, so it seems like a decent energy to this point, and we'll find out with the networking events and the expo tomorrow. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of reports from OTC, and it looks like I mean, a lot of people are pretty active down there. It looks like, looks like fun to me. I didn't get down there, but, um, you know, and I, I'm looking forward to hearing how Nate goes. Of course, you know, I'm not going to be there. This is wedding week at our house. So yeah, it's all heads down. Thanks, sir. Very exciting. Tim's oldest daughter's getting married on Saturday. Uh, so I think, I think you said this is your last like bit of connectedness to the, the work world until you're now on like dad duty picking up trash cans and kegs and bottles of booze and all the fun stuff that weddings entail oh yeah it's gonna it's all about you know dying there were there there were downstairs dying cheesecloth for something for the wedding this morning so i mean it's it's nonstop. just we look like a our dining room looks like a an episode of hoarders right now there's liquor everywhere you know, centerpieces everywhere. It's all starts to leave this afternoon. Yeah. I mean, when I'm around, I just call that Tuesday, but (laughs) anyways, uh, Matt Harriman, Matt Harriman, we made him wait for long enough. We'll we'll, we'll allow you to talk here shortly, Matt, but I'm personally excited to have Matt Harriman on the podcast. He's got a super fun website and kind of demeanor, very, very much out there and in your face about Let's remove the obstacles that make work suck for a lot of people. Um, and also, Matt, you worked closely with Marsha Vihal, who Tim and I worked with closely for a number of years and realized we just had a whole bunch friend of, of the show, friend of the show. So I figured <laughs> we, we wanted to, uh, to have you on. So why don't you give us a little bit of your background, where you're from, um, and then maybe your career a little bit. And, and, and uh, what are you up to today with pod two? Yeah, man, let's do it. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm, I'm excited about this. We only rescheduled like 30 times, but I think this is is perfect. You're the one that had a kid. So (laughs) well, you went and had a kid, man. I mean, what do you think? What's going on? Yeah, that's my, that's my bad. Yeah. Guys, I can't be there tomorrow. My wife's having a kid tomorrow. (laughs) She had the kid on, on her birthday and two weeks before our 10 year anniversary. So, and my other daughter just started kindergarten. So it's been a lot of major life events. These last few weeks, a lot of balls in the air. A lot of, a lot of balls. Speaking of the um, air, dude, it is absolute monsoon season out right now. I, this has completely yeah. changed in the last five minutes to a little bit of rain to absolutely yeah. no visibility whatsoever. Yeah. 
yeah, it, it hit here. Yeah, just a few and, minutes ago. So we're, we're all in Houston, and uh, I think we're all getting hit with thunderstorms periodically all day today. <laughs> yep. Yeah, in different in different yep. locations. So sorry, Matt. We'll we'll stop interrupting at some point. But yeah, no, no, no. All good. So so yeah, my background. Um, so born in San Antonio. Uh, go Spurs. Greg Popovich is the best sports coach of all time anywhere ever. Um, Second, I believe you're repping a Spurs hat today. I think when I saw the back of you there. Look at that. There you yeah. go. Yeah. That's it. Oh, that's classic. Um, Dennis the, Rodman. Then I'm Spurs I legend. Grew up in Amarillo, Texas. So the, the place that everybody stops on the ah. way to go skiing. Um, yeah. So lived there from, yeah, from age of 10 till 18. Moved out to play ball, baseball in college, of course. Um, and, and that's how I ended up with a math degree because I, I wanted to play baseball in college, but wasn't good enough to go to a school with an engineering program. So math was close enough. Uh, college in Oklahoma, uh, math and masters in applied math, all that good stuff. While I was in grad school, uh, in Oklahoma city, I was looking for a summer job to, uh, pay for my wife's engagement ring. And so I was just spamming Oklahoma city with resumes, uh, ended up starting work for triple a, uh, in their insurance call center. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah. Awesome. Don't hear that yeah. often. Very, very fun work. I was three weeks into a nine-week training program on how to take a phone call uh, when <laughs> Chesapeake called, uh, <laughs> called me in for an interview. And then so I went in for an interview. I, I was sick. I think I ended up dirtying some. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that, was, that was an interesting interview. And, and then, but the next week they called and said I had the job. And, and so I went to my boss at AAA and I was like, hey, uh, I got this offer from Chesapeake and he was like, go and just, just go. <laughs> so, <laughs> he, he understood. So I like, understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't want to be here either. So just good for you. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that was good. Uh, so that's how I got started. Um, after a couple of years at Chesapeake, I, I jumped ship there and joined Intersight. Uh, so when it was, you know, 15, 20 people, I think total was when I joined back in 2013. Um, yeah. Well, oh, that is early there. days. Yeah. It was pretty yeah. early days for Intersight for sure. Um, we're just starting to become a company at that point. And yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Grew up through the ranks there and then we got bought and sold and acquired and did a bunch of merging and, and all that stuff. And, and then I left, um, what would eventually be Alcerna in 2019 to, to start my own gig. Yeah. I was wondering, did you, so that, based on that, you left before, the name Osserna kicked in or no, I was there for that. So, so we bought, I don't know. I, th I think Intersight was the third company that, that that company had bought. And then at that point it became three ESI Intersight. And then we bought whatever, two other companies yeah. and then bought one of those two other companies were the ones that Jeremy and I worked for. Navigator. Yep. 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 Energy yep. Navigator. Yep. All right. And then bought Palantir. And then yep. when Palantir came in, we're like, okay, we can't hyphenate again. So, and then marketing came up with the name Alcerna. And, and I think that was, when was that? I think that was 18. Maybe? That, that's, that sounds about right. You've got to just for, nobody knows. I mean, I know, but cause I've asked the question a zillion times. We haven't ever talked about it on the air. Do you know what Alcerna means? Why they came up with that? Yeah. Well, can you explain it? How about that? You're going to make me do it. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, so AU is the symbol for symbol for gold on and then 
Cerna is, I think, I don't know, Hungarian or something for thread. And so the idea is they're providing the golden thread of information for oil and gas industry. There you go. Yeah. Well, it worked. And, and, yeah. and I remember the guy, um, Jeremy Green, uh, there, I was talking to him oh, about I the name him. and yeah, yeah. like, yeah, and th- he was saying that, um, I don't know, there's a bunch of debate, a lot of people talking about what the name should be and all that stuff. And he had a great quote. He said, uh, no, the great thing about this is that nobody knows that word. So we'll make it mean what we want it to mean. And I was like, okay, that's feels like a lesson on branding right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I dig that. Um, yeah, I know. So, so I want to talk a little bit about those, those earlier days. So yeah, 2013, 2014, I was at Seven Lakes. Tim, I think you were still at Navigator. I was still there. You were still a Navigator at that point. Th- there was a lot of- Cursing you. At- we were cursing you then. Gosh darn it, these Endersite guys. Um, but it was a really uh, hot time for um, field development planning, which is a lot of what you guys did. So scheduling out the rigs and the resources and even possibly bringing some- um, machine learning into play to try to optimize what might be might might be the most cost effective um, means of of sort of planning out the the development of your asset. Right? Do you feel like doing explaining the software and walking EMP companies through it that you understand what best practices should look like, or do you feel like coming from an operator like Chesapeake, you learn more of okay, this is the best way to approach it, technology aside, if that makes any sense. Mm, yeah, I think that, yeah, the time at Chesapeake, you understand how one company does it, right? And you understand the the company side of things and why they're not doing things in the most optimal way. Like maybe it's politics, maybe it's just inertia, like whatever, all of the other things that go along with it, um, down to staffing and, you know, motivation of individuals and like all of the, all of the different things that can play into why a process might be kind of bad. Can we, can we cuss on this show? Oh, anything you want to say. Okay, perfect. Um, (laughs) uh, And, and then joining Intersight, you see how a lot of different companies do it, right? So when I joined, I was a consultant working on implementations. And so you see how it works across the board. And so you see, okay, there's common problems here and here there's, here's what companies think. And here's what somebody that's sitting outside of these companies thinks that they're missing. Um, and that was super interesting to kind of form that opinion of, okay, this company does it really, really well. Sure. These companies don't do it very well and start to kind of help the ones on the lower end learn from the others. So you kind of have a benefit to the industry, right? Which, mm. which I really liked. So one of the other things that Intersight did early decision they made back when there were just six people was they were going to go full cloud. So mm-hmm. no footprint was going to be at the client site at all. Um, and that was, especially when it comes to planning and economics and kind of reserves forecasting. I know that at least early on, there was some companies that really kind of struggled with that data is not inside our, our walls. And that was, everybody knows or knew at the time that we're heading towards these cloud things, but Intersight was really kind of the first, I think technical application that I saw oil and gas that was in the cloud. Um, what were the kind of those early struggles? Did you have to face that when when you were doing implementations or? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Some of the the battles that we'd have to have with, with IT, especially on, on trusting, putting things in the cloud. We ran lots of 
um, penetration tests and extra security stuff and, and all of those things. But then I think over the years, as companies started recognizing that, that, hey, maybe Amazon, Microsoft and Google know how to secure things better than than we do. Um, it got easier for sure. I think now it's it may be it may have flipped all the way around the other way where if you don't come in with a cloud solution, yep. you may be, you know, knocked down a couple pegs in your evaluations now. Yeah. I remember I can't remember what year it was, but I remember it was a big like turning point whenever ConocoPhillips decided that they were going to go with Office 365 online for everything. And that was like a an anecdotal shift in the market. And that was another thing that people would point to and say, well, hey, if Conoco can put all of their stuff on a cloud, then you know, why can't we? So that that one thing made a lot of conversations easier. Yeah, that, that perspective is, is valuable. In other industries, um, I mean, Salesforce, like I started using Salesforce in 2003, that was cloud at that point, right? They were very much beating the drum on that. And a lot of companies, including one I worked at in Boulder, Colorado Rally Software, did the same thing. They were like, we're going to be like Salesforce. I think in oil and gas, because Salesforce didn't have mass adoption in general, people couldn't yeah. point to that one app. Like you make a point right. about Office 365. And I remember that. But there's actually something to be said for saying, okay, somebody else has done this. They've got better cybersecurity and technical people than we'll ever have. We've got two people on staff. Maybe now we yeah. can trust cloud. On the flip side, I do think optionality is good, right? Uh, some of these companies still prefer to have things on premise um, for whatever reason. And, and that's the, the, you know, the, the, the preference of, of whoever wants to make that decision. Um, I didn't mention this. I, I think Tim knew this yeah. too. I'm, at, I'm in uh, at Chuck Yates' place. I'm on this beanbag right now. This is like a human. This is large enough for a man like me. So <laughs> Tim, you know, if you want to jump in and maybe ask a question, I can just, you know, sit back and listen. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was, he did this to me earlier. I do want to talk to what you're doing now. So you, 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 yeah. you left Ocerna, um, what is that, uh, not 2019? Yep. Went out on your own here and started something called Pod2. And I, yep. first of all, if anyone gets a chance to go see your site on LinkedIn, your, your so profile, good. I love so that little banner at the top. Work shouldn't suck. <laughs> that gets your attention. But anyway, so, you know, what is, what's Pod Two? What are you doing? Who do you help? How do you? What do you do? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's evolving. We're we're two years in. Um, when I left Ocerna, I didn't have a plan for what I was going to do. Right. So there were there were several options out there. I had a couple of companies that I had talked to about joining. That had always kind of had this itch to start my own thing, but I I just had to get away. So, so I, I, I left there and took the summer off. Um, it was a proper, proper sabbatical, like summer of George kind of stuff. So, um, it was, it, it was really, really important for me to clear my head and just kind of not jump directly into the next thing. I think we have a tendency to, okay, if we're doing something and we're not crazy about it, we tend to run away from that as opposed to running towards something. Um, if we're not, if we're not thinking too clearly. So I think that, October. So I left in June, July. And then that October, I was talking to um, different friends, different folks. And, and it just kind of became obvious that, okay, I have to try, I have to try to start my own thing. Okay, what is that? Um, and, and so the first iteration was really this tiniest 
little baby step out from what I was doing before where implementations for upstream planning software, okay, the, the, the beginning of it was implementations uh, and or the consulting work surrounding those implementations. So whether it's project management, change management, the process design work, did a lot of that early on. Um, and so that was October of 19. Uh, first six months were awesome. Um, yeah, had a lot of success and really, really good. Um, got some great clients, did some big projects and yeah, didn't suffer financially from leaving, you know, my job, uh, which coming from a VP position and, and just jumping out on your own with a single income household and two kids at home at the time, that was stressful. And so that was, that was nice. And then in, in March of 2020, uh, this funny, funny thing happened. Um, <laughs> where the world well, kind of flipped yeah. upside down. What, what could have happened? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, oh, I remember, yeah. so I was at, I was at a bar in Oklahoma city having drinks with, with a buddy, uh, Greg, um, up there that I'd worked with back at Chesapeake. And, and I was up there for, for a few different meetings and, and talking to different folks. And we were at a bar. We almost went to the thunder game that night, but then we decided to just go to the bar and watch the thunder game. Well, that was the Thunder game that where they the pulled game. all the all the players off the court and the NBA season was put on pot. Like that was the, the game. They were playing so, the Jazz? Yeah. yeah it was yeah, Rudy Gobert, right? Rudy Gobert's going all over, touching the Yeah, the guy that touched all COVID. the mics and yeah. yeah, making jokes. Yeah. <laughs> so so that was nuts. So we're sitting there in this very crowded bar in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Like, be like, oh, this COVID thing might be actually kind of serious. <laughs> um, Shit. And then, and then, yeah, so that just shut everything down. I had, I had projects that were prepaid that got canceled, um, that were, that were just, Hey, we, we just don't have, we have no idea what the future is going to be and restructuring and reorgs and, and all this stuff. So it was, that was nuts. Um, yeah. And so through that time, it was a good time to kind of pause and, and, and I think COVID did for, for me, what it did for a lot of things is it took what needed to happen in the next five years and made it happen like now. Um, so I kind of took some of the more aspirational <laughs> stuff that I'd wanted to do, you know, online courses and really diving into more digital business um, and started working on some of those things. So I put out a, a self-leadership course for, for new managers that year. So during nice. COVID that summer was really good for that. Um, and then as things started to open back up, I'd been talking to friends and uh, my current partner now uh, about some different ideas about what to do. Uh, what else could we do? And so that's kind of the, the latest iteration and where we are right now is I added a partner in March. He's the best software developer that I've ever met. Um, and we're hmm. about to put out a, a software package, uh, our first SaaS product. Uh, our first paying customer might actually come before we launch, but we're, we should launch, you know, next nice. week uh, with, nice. with the beta. So, so the scope of Pod Two really is that that thing of we want to make work suck less, <laughs> and and we're not going to limit how we do that. So the consulting work, especially around upstream planning, right? That's very core. Uh, customer success work for software companies. Um, we've got a few clients that we do process work for growing startups. So startups want to grow. They need some process, but they don't want to become this bureaucratic, slow, shitty organization. Yeah. That's the kind of process that, that I do. Um, yeah, and then, you know, yeah, so software products and courses and all the other stuff. Too. It's really, really good stuff, man. And, and I actually think you and I could 
could align because I think, as you know, with Funk Futures, I talk to all these energy tech companies for the most part. And in turn, we're also talking to primarily oil and gas operators and, and midstream companies. And there's there's lots of opportunity out there. There's also a lot of noise. I think that I used to sort of be annoyed with the operator side for being like, why don't you see that what I have is the best product ever? Come on. But it's because <laughs> if, if you look around and my friend Dan, who's from Boston and he's doing some work like, uh, you know, analysis for, for Funk Futures, he's like, everybody says the same thing. He's like, I go out and everyone's saying analytics and uh, AI and machine learning. And he's like production optimization. And he's like, everybody's yeah. saying the same thing. Right. So, so I don't, I don't begrudge anyone for being like this. There's a lot of noise. There's confusion. How do I know who to trust? What actually can do it? What you just described sounds like a product that maybe we already have. Right. So I think that even some of that, that, that reconciliation of like, a lot of people have been overloaded with, with information and buzzwords that all sound the same and getting actual tangible results I think is where you come in to set people up for, for success. Um, yeah. And then they can go and execute. Yeah. The, the other, the other piece that, I mean, whenever I went through this validation exercise, when I was starting the business of, of going to to 10 relevant people and just talking to them about, here's my business, here's the problems that I think I can solve. And here's why I think I should solve them and getting feedback on that. Um, and and over the months uh, through that validation and, and since then, people will ask, okay, why, why would I go with you as opposed to some other consultant? Because um, I'm honest, right? I'll tell you. If I'm screwing up, if I don't know, I'll tell you, right? And, and so there's this massive, massive need for somebody that people can actually trust. Um, because, you know, software vendors, right. It's, it's not malicious, but they're, they're biased. Their tool is the one that solves the problem. And then the big consulting firms, right. That stuff gets nasty and and you get millions and millions of dollars and people that become furniture and, and all of that stuff. And so I don't have 20 kids with MBAs that I need to get billable so we can focus on what actually matters. And, and, and that's been, that's been really nice and, and really well received too. So when you're looking, for, I mean, I, I feel the need to get more detail on how you make yeah. work suck less, <laughs> but so I guess the question, so when you're going to a potential client, what is the problem they present to you that you solve? I mean, I guess run of the mill. I know there's a, it's a broad question, but yeah. what is something tangible like that our listeners, us can, can know about? Yeah, for sure. So, so I think as we develop specific offerings, um, that's, that's easier to answer. So the software product that we're putting out, um, it helps you QC and validate your Aries forecast data, right? There you go. So it, it saves you time, does it better, et cetera. That's super simple. The, the course, right. It will make new younger managers more effective and, and, and happier. Right. Um, but then for like the general management consulting type stuff, um, it's really got to start with a problem. So, so with that side of things, I don't go sell, right? I just talk to the the people that I enjoy working with. And if there's a problem that, that I can solve for them, then we talk about how that might work. Um, I am getting a little more, um, I'm doing a lot of work around, like I said, integrated upstream planning. So I'm doing a course on that topic with Saga Wisdom. And so that's all recorded. That should be coming out pretty soon. Also um, friends of the show. Yeah, tripping yep. over the barrel alumni. John yep, Thompson, Mike Wudzecki. Great guys. I yeah, love those. Very guys. impressed. 
had not to not to cut you off, but I will anyway. Had lunch with Mike Wadzeki about three weeks ago when I was down here for Urtech, and he said that they're growing faster than they even expected to, which obviously we love yeah. to hear. But it also validates my thinking too that the knowledge sharing and and management component is and training is very important and an underutilized yeah. uh, space, especially with oil and gas where you have these massive age gaps. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, broadly, if you look at the whole world, right, the problem isn't finding out more knowledge, it's making that knowledge applicable and, and adopted. Right. Um, but yeah, so, so I'm putting out, um, I've written a paper, it, it might, it's a short book right now, but needs to be edited down on integrated upstream planning and, and to really kind of consolidate a lot of this stuff that's been talked about. Um, from tying corporate to the assets and strategy to execution and, and all of that kind of stuff has been, there's just been so much noise in that space and not enough progress from the industry in my mind. Um, so I'm putting a lot of energy into that. And so I'll be, I'll be putting a lot more out on, on that side uh, over the next couple of months. Well, I mean, it sounds like you've got your fingers into a lot of varied pot. I mean, I'm listening to you and there's a, little bit here, a little bit there, and seemingly unconnected. Like there's a lot of value points you're you're getting to. So it, it's, man, I don't know. I like to think serially and linearly, and you're clearly out, you know, on a, <laughs> a lot of parallel processes here. So it's, it's really yeah. cool to hear. Well, oh, well, the thing that ties it all together is, is our why and our purpose of, of making work suck less. Right. So yeah. uh, we don't care how we do it, um, but we want to solve the problems that make work suck. Right. And those can be, you know, people problems. It can be boss problems. It can be process problems, like all of those different things. And so I think as we grow and as we go over time, we'll kind of attack that problem more directly. So focusing maybe more on company culture and then maybe helping people find jobs that are right for them and that kind of stuff down the road. But for right now, you know, hey, QCing forecast data sucks. Let's make that take less time and do it better and faster, right? So um, our, our why is, is, is a strong foundation. You, you know, Tim, I think part of it too is, is I can relate to this a little bit too because I'm a little bit newer in my entrepreneurial journey here. But any, like anybody has a good idea, I feel like it's something that can actually be executed upon, right? Because I'm like, okay, I'm free. I don't have this one thing, one W2. I can go and create whatever and build stuff and make it fun. So I see how things go in that direction. My concern with myself is I can probably sell it, but I still need to be able to execute on it. My question for you then, Matt, is yeah, you got Josh, you got yourself, you got Al Pacino, not Al Pacino. Tim, you should look at his website. Um, how do you scale? Right. And it, it's a, and that's really the, the quote, like you've obviously got a brilliant guy. You've got a lot of experience. You've got executive level stuff. H how do you scale? How do you scale this thing? Or do you not want to scale? That there you go. So, so that that's the other beautiful part is that we don't care how fast we grow, right? We're the quality of life is first over profit. And so right now we've got a bench of contractors that we can use. Um, and that we pull in when needed to to help on things. Super efficient. We hire out as much as we can, right? So all the accounting, all the automation, like we do all that stuff. So we're pretty efficient. The other piece is that we're pretty ruthlessly uh, prioritized. So anything 
we're very hesitant to commit to, to things. And, and when we do commit, we're going to do them, right? And so we'll make sure that those things happen. And there you, there, oh, yeah, there you go. There, huh? There's one of them. On, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To lock. Get over there. Get over there. One. Nah, get him on camera. That's the best. There we go. It's oh, what's closet. up, buddy? Hey. You're on a podcast. What's a podcast? It's <laughs> amazing. We've we've all dealt with this before. You your goldfish oh, that's the best. Okay. So while while we get the goldfish situation uh, settled over there, Tim, I wanna I wanna jump to you real quick because I I do have a couple of questions for you. Okay. So, uh, are you going to any of the Nate festivities this year, or is is this really it? You've got too much other stuff. You're bringing your kid to college. You got your daughter getting married. What what do you got going on? Yeah, this is the 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 week of holy crap. What did we sign up for? So we got the youngest moving into her dorm. Well, the, the middle child moved into her apartment at College Station Monday. So my wife took care of that, fortunately. So I wasn't involved. Uh, D3 is moving into her dorm tomorrow. Okay. We basically drop her into the dorm. We pull her out of the dorm, come back here for the Friday rehearsal dinner, wedding festivities, yep. turn around Sunday morning, drive her right back. Cause classes start Monday. Oh my God. It's, it's just, uh, you know, it's just how could we have planned this wedding in this week? It's, it's, it's just particular, it's just really crazy. And then trying to, you know, close some business. We got some stuff happening right now. Just trying to get that in is it's, it's been a little bit crazy week. Nice. Nice. Everything's yeah, we'll goldfish. Sorry, guys. No, it's okay. <laughs> no worries. I wanted to come back to something you said earlier, Matt, that I found it maybe a new question to ask people, which was, where were you or what were you doing when you realized, holy crap, this COVID thing is going to be a big deal? And 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 you said you were at the bar in Oklahoma City watching the, the Oklahoma the City Thunder game. Yeah. And for me, we were actually at Lamar University with my youngest when someone came in and announced that the Houston rodeo only the biggest thing that happens every year was canceled. Yeah. And we were what day three or four into the Houston rodeo. They said, okay, that's it. No more. And I was like, well, this is going to be a big deal. Yeah. That's, that's nuts. So Jeremy, what what, what was your story there? When did you know COVID was a big deal? Um, I mean, I'll say this. I was at, the W energy software, like sales kickoff in January and uh, Pete Waldrup, who I'm excited to see tonight, the, the CEO of, of W was cautioning people in January that he had some concern about it based on what his international channels were telling him and to, to just keep an eye on it. And, and it may get to be something serious. And I was literally like, <laughs> what an idiot this guy is, right? He doesn't know anything. Yeah, no. So way. he was the first one that actually put it on my radar, but it was literally the, the, Oklahoma City night, I was at a, a local beer bar in Lafayette and seeing that on TV, seeing it get shut down and being like, wow, they're shutting it down. And I'm thinking, they're going to shut down everything. <laughs> I'm not going to be at this bar that much longer. Yeah, yeah we were. Uh, it's crazy. We, at OVS, we were scheduling our user meeting. We were going to schedule our user meeting and we getting speakers lined up. And a few of them, one of our biggest clients is Petronas in, in Malaysia. And we were getting approvals to get them to come over and be able to speak and at our user conference. We, it was great. We had Minute Maid Park rented. We had a one of the conference rooms there rented. Oh, yeah, we had a whole yeah. thing getting planned. And uh, it was going to be for March 31st and April 1st of 2020. And 
in January, we start hearing from our Petronas guys, Hey, these guys aren't going to be able to travel. And, and we were relying on a lot of our international folks. We have a big project going with uh, in Spain and another one that we were planning in, in another country in the far East. And we wanted to get these guys here and they couldn't travel. So we started thinking about it and we said, you know, this is not, so we actually shut ours down before everything hit the fan and everyone was kind of like, wow, aren't you, this seems a little weird. You'd shut something like that down. And then it wasn't more than two weeks later, the rodeo quit. And we're like, well, okay. We looked like we knew what we were doing, but I still didn't have, I still thought that no big deal until the rodeo shut down. Well, you know, now there's the whole variant thing, right? We'll see. I guess somebody, some people were saying that they canceled the COVID uh, because of the COVID variant. They canceled some networking events here, but it hasn't affected any of the ones that I'm signed up for. So I don't know. That's why I got vaccinated, yeah. but that's a different conversation altogether. Anyways, uh, Matt, <laughs> back to you, right? So um, tell me a little <laughs> bit more about your perspective, like your ideal client. Do you feel like it is the, like, I mean, Chesapeake was a behemoth when you worked there. Is it a big company at Chesapeake and an ExxonMobil, a pioneer, <laughs> or is it literally somebody who has one or two rigs and just not enough people to manage their asset or, or somewhere in between? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I've got of, of the client base that I have now, I've got a couple of a software company that's, you know, 10, 12 people and, and helping them out. Um, we've got a consulting firm that's about 20 people and growing and, and doing some process work for them on the, for oil and gas companies. It's we've got some, a couple of the largest ones um, in, in the U.S. anyway. Um, don't have big super majors quite yet. Uh, so... I think it's probably, I think this, this problem of integrated planning can kind of go in a lot of different directions. It can kind of go across a, a team. So whether it's interdisciplinary, like an asset team, how do they work together? How do you marry, you know, operations and finance and land and how do you marry that kind of stuff? Um, all the way up to, okay, how do you marry the executives with three business units and 12 assets underneath them? And so. I mean, it's pretty flexible. Um, I think that probably in the in the midsize, um, yeah, the ones that we've got right now are, are I'd say, mid to large uh, cap companies. Yeah, because the, their operations are still are still humming along. I mean, I think some of the private operators too that are that are in a good position, the newborns, Crown Quest types of companies, uh, you know, probably have the same number of rigs as maybe some of the larger operators in their basin, but probably don't have the same level of sophisticated planning or the number of resources either. Right. It's just a byproduct of starting small and not intending to be huge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some of the, and and one of the projects, you know, it's, it's full company integrated planning. So from the top all the way down to the bottom, how do we make the whole thing work together? And then with another one, it's, it's okay. Operational scheduling in, uh, for the, their U.S. assets, we need to figure that out. Select a tool, um, manage the implementation, do change management. Like it's all of that stuff. Another one, it's reserve systems. So switching reserve systems, we need to, you know, change management, project management, process design surrounding the tool, like that kind of stuff too. How do you qualitatively say that you made work suck less for somebody? <laughs> Seriously, like what's the what's what's a, a win for you? What's the metric? Yeah. I think it, it's a tough one. Um, but I, I mean, with some projects there are metrics, right? So there's, 
you know, errors caught and time spent on things and all of that kind of stuff. But like the reason that I love consulting, and even if it's not the most, you know, efficient business in the world, I'm going to do it till I die is because that look on a client's face when their problem is solved now and they get to go home and see their kids at five. Right. Or like, that's the kind of stuff that I live for. I, the, the qualitative side, um, it just depends on the problem. Right. So just, this is the same problem that we had, like whenever we do work on planning, right. The, the real value proposition is better decisions and these decisions can have multi-million or billion dollar impact. And so if you make those even a fraction of a percent better, like, like the money's there. Um, but the, the things that make work suck, right? It's a combination of performance and quality of life. So if we do a better job at work, then yeah, we're probably going to be happier. Go ahead, Dan. Jeremy. No, I'll go fine. Um, so okay, you're, was, you're, no, I'm going to pivot. No, no, I'm going to, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. So right. from an integrated planning perspective, this is something that I've always found fascinating in oil and gas. Maybe I just don't have enough experience in other industries and perhaps it happens the same way, but I feel like there's always been very siloed decision-making as it comes to really everything, right? Whether it be vendors to use, products to align with, um, what metrics are important to you, right? What Just any organizational priority tends to be different within these silos. You're coming in and literally trying to integrate all of that and help the company see where they should put their funds, not just in the field, right, but but across the yep. organization. And I think that's fascinating. Do you feel like you run the risk sometimes of coming in and pissing people off? Like, I think that would be a threat oh, as yeah. a consultant being like, this is actually what you need to do. And someone's like, but that makes me redundant or... Maybe I, you know, like I could see it, it, it you getting under people's skin. Right, I'm you, wondering if you ever come You move somebody's that. cheese. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest risk on, on day one is the people that are opposed to transparency. They've got something to hide. And, yeah. and the higher up the chain that person is, the, the harder, the harder <laughs> things are going to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a project. Yeah, I'm not going to go into that one. Oh, come on, um, come on. <laughs> <laughs> But let's just say we didn't expand beyond the first project. Um, <laughs> it happens sometimes. Uh, and, 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 you know, especially some executives from particular schools don't like to be called out and, and shown that something's happening underneath them he's that they didn't to, know he's about. He's talking about Warden. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and not, not say the school. I'm just a little concerned of my color shirt might Maybe that's the school. <laughs> uh, maybe. But that is one of the things that whenever I'm talking to companies like enduring discovery and trying to figure out what's going on, a lot of times they'll talk about, we need to be more efficient. We need to spend less time doing this or that or whatever. And, and I won't start a project until I really, really understand why. And if it's a cost cutting thing, like I don't want to be involved with that. So I'll, I'll ask like, if let's say we save you, you know, a person or two's worth of time, are you going to fire them? Or are you going to repurpose them so that they can focus on what's actually important to the business as opposed to this manual crap? And, and, and that's a really important thing to understand because that's, uh, I do not want to be, you know, the bobs that come in and, and try to evaluate whether somebody's worth sticking around or not. And, 
but at, at the end of the guys. day, it is a business and clients are going to make the decisions that they're going to make. Yeah. Word's going to, word's going to get out when Matt shows up, people get fired. That's definitely <laughs> not how you want to show up to be. The mats are here. The mats are here. Yeah. But, but that's what I was talking about later on. And like, as we grow and as we kind of learn more about really shifting culture and really shifting mindsets in within leadership from this very American idea of, of work really hard, hustle really hard, squeeze everything you can out of people. Um, Cause there's a lot of executives that if they see people leaving at five, then, okay, we have too many people. Right. And, and that's just toxic. And I don't think that that has a place on earth. Wow. Good on you. Yeah. That's fun. I, I tend to agree. Go ahead, Tim. I, I cut you off. I was just, I'm getting ready, and I'm getting ready to take us down another path. If you want, right. got any more related to that, go for I was, it. I just want to talk growing up Amarillo. <laughs> I mean, Sh- I, yeah, I shout feel out like Thomas Faye. Even, <laughs> I mean, I feel like the exposure most people, even in the state of Texas, have to Amarillo is driving through, and the big Texan. Yep. I mean, what, what's it like? Yeah, the steak place, the old, the 72-ouncer, sit yeah, on the stage, yeah, yeah. eat it in an hour, baked potato salad, and the bread, and all that. Yeah. By the way, I've been there. Um, Did you try it? You know. Did you try? No, no, no. I, that, <laughs> I, in college, I would have, but as I've gotten older, the, the need to try to accomplish those eating goals or something like that, that's just, that's <laughs> yeah. just scary to me. But, you know, what, what's, what's growing up Amarillo like? Yeah, it's, it's pretty country. Um, it, I mean, the city isn't too small. It has like 200,000 people. So you've got everything that you want probably. So there's a, there's a local sports team. There was a hockey team for a while. I don't know if they're still there. I know that there's still a baseball team there. The sod poodles. Um, nice. Sod poodles. <laughs> nice. It's poodles. gotta be a lumberjacks um, somewhere, right? <laughs> How can you have a lumberjacks in Amarillo? There's no trees, dude. There's not a tree. Yeah, but it just seems there's like no trees the out there. Lumberjacks, the Amarillo <laughs> astronauts. And I mean, for double A for a summer job, I worked for a railroad company, and so and it wasn't BNSF. It was like a subcontractor. So we got the worst jobs for half the pay and like manual <laughs> equipment. So you know, like you're shoveling yeah. the rock with a shovel, and you're carrying the ties <laughs> by hand, like all that stuff. And and the job that I was on was in Hereford, so one of the largest cattle ranches I think on Earth, and yeah, so just smelled like Fine. shit and sweat and creosote for an entire summer. Um, yeah, Amarillo <laughs> Arrow's chest. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Amarillo was was fine. Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a decent mix of you have what you need from a city, but you can get out to a dirt road when you need to. But you know, so I mean, I guess in, in the in country towns, West Texas towns, and we have small towns all over the U.S. I mean, there's that portion of the of the community that. Hey, I was born and raised here. I'm going to stay here the rest of my life. And then the rest that are kind of the, as soon as I get 18, I'm out. Was that kind of your, your approach or? I didn't, I didn't have a plan. Yeah. For somebody that's worked in planning for their whole career, I really didn't have much of a plan for my whole life. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was, yeah, you were young. it was just, okay, what's the best option in front of me? And I'll go do that. So, so whenever, when I turned 18, it was, what college can I go play ball at? And where did you play? Yeah. Uh, Vernon Regional Junior College up in North Texas. Um, and then I played at USAO in Oklahoma. So in Chickasha, Oklahoma. Chickasha. Yeah. But man, Chickasha. shoulder and arm and all kinds of injuries ended up dashing the 
the big league dreams. Yeah, what position did you play? Catcher. Catcher. There you go. Oh, well, that was my spot. Did, yeah. yeah, I was never good enough to get out of high school with it, so that was that was fine. But yeah, yeah no, I, I was very thankful and had a lot of fun playing ball through college. Yeah, it was it was a good time for sure. All right, fantastic. Especially well, when the horse came in the dorm. But <laughs> I'm sorry, what? A horse came in the dorm once? Yeah, one of the one of the. <laughs> Yeah, Ball, one of the players at, at this junior college, he was really good friends with one of the rodeo guys, and <laughs> oh they decided God. to bring a horse into the baseball dorm. And yeah, I was walking down the hallway like I came out of my room and saw there was a fucking horse walking down the hallway. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that was that, that's basically the response. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you hit us with that. What's now? going on? Well, there's a horse. Uh, yeah, no, everything's good except for that one time a horse came in my dorm. Anyways, with that, Matt <laughs> Herman, folks. Wait, well, Matt, oh, yeah, it was well, like, well, I hadn't, I hadn't seen that before, but I'm not surprised. So, yeah, oh, that you is go. so good, man. <laughs> well, anyways, congrats on the four-week-old daughter. Very exciting, Tim. Congrats to you on kids going to college, kids getting married, kids having kids, grandpa. Thank you. Um, then I guess congrats to me for, I don't, I don't know, like waking up today. So here we go. I'm still here. Anyways, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll figure something out. First, first always a good thing. You know, we're hanging my, out with, in Chuck's house. There you go. My oldest daughter is, she started middle school today, sixth grade, 11 years old. It's kind of a big, a big step. So I think it was an emotional day for the wife, but you know, yeah, you know, this yeah. is the, this time of They're year, all man. Big, the big steps. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. thanks so much for coming. All right, on, Matt. Matt. So the best. I guess if uh, any of our listeners are interested in, yeah, where they go. If any of our listeners are are kind of you know interested in getting in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, so all the all the social medias, so LinkedIn, Twitter, email, Matt at pod two co, all all of that kind of stuff. And all my info's on the on the site, and I'm pretty easy to get to. All right, all right. Well, then, uh, I, I think the. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go, no, no, go ahead. Please, please. <laughs> no, I was going to mention the the our, our site also, pod2.co. We we put out some blogs every now and again, got the newsletter, all that kind of stuff too. All right. That's good. Right. It looks great. And it's it's comedic. Um, if we can get <laughs> Al Pacino on the podcast too, we'll let him know that um, you might have interest in talking yeah. to him about a, a, a board seat over there at pod2. So, so we'll take it. <laughs> I am going to have to go on this po- on the website now. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Matt, you're, you're the man. Appreciate your attitude, your mindset. Keep, uh, you know, killing things that make work suck, my man. Yeah.